0: The following recording is from Parramatta Christian Church. We pray that this message inspires you in your walk with Christ.
1: Let me pray and let's come around God's word together. Father, we thank you for this incredible privilege we have to come around your word together. And Lord, I just simply pray, will you come by your spirit and bring revelation out of your word for our hearts today. Lord, I pray, will you help me? Will you help us as we come to your word to come with eager hearts and open ears and open hearts to receive all that you have for us today? We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So as you know, if you were here last week or if you watched online, our theme for this year is Faithful. Um, That's what we're really thinking about and looking at. Not so much God's faithfulness to us, even though that is the broader context of this conversation, but our faithfulness to our God in light of His goodness to us, ultimately expressed in His love shown at the cross through the death and resurrection of Jesus. And we we said last week that our big idea is to challenge ourselves to remain faithful, steadfast, committed, passionately pursuing God no matter what. That's really... Um, what our heart and our desire and our intention is now this morning i want to kind of unpack that a little bit because this journey will, will take longer and it's harder than maybe we realize and i want to share a little story with you a couple of weeks i was away on retreat and um, as i like to do i just like going for walks in the bush uh, and just being i feel so connected to god when i do that And so I I saw on Google Maps, I was on on the Central Coast and there was this waterfall and I looked at the pictures and it looked amazing. And I thought, yeah, I want to go check that out. And so I checked the distance on Google Maps and it said like 2.5K. So what I'm going, "Ah, easy, piece of cake. And, you know, like, all right, so I'm going to do it. And this was on my way home and I had to be back home at a certain time to do something else with Dash. And I was like, okay, yeah, i got time. I planned my day and I was all good. Anyway, I get there, and I start this walk, and it's a massive fire trail. I'm like, this is going to be great. And so I'm walking along, and as I'm walking along, these two other people were coming the other way. And I said, oh, you know, did you guys do the, the loop, or did you guys go to the waterfall? I said, oh, we went to the waterfall. And I said, oh, how was it? They said, oh, man, it was just so tiring. It was just such a long way. And I'm like, what? It's 2.5Ks on Google Maps. And then they were like, and it was so hard, and you know, we were just so exhausted. I'm like, yeah, whatever. You guys are you know, you're not as fit as I am, whatever. You know. It's going to be a piece of cake. And so I just kind of kept going. And you know, I got to a certain point where you know, it was easy, it was a fire trail, and then it just got hard. Like, it was just steps, rocky ledges, and, and I'm thinking, I've got to come back this way. And you know, when, when, you, when you face a situation like that, you have a, a critical choice to make. Right? Do I quit and call it a day and go back because this is going to take longer than I thought or it's going to be harder than I thought and you just want to bail? Or you go, you know what, I've come too far now. I'm too invested. I'm too committed. And that was the mistake I made. I was like, I, I can hear the waterfall. I'm too, I can't come all this way and not just finish this thing and see this thing. Like, I'll never do this again because I now know how hard it is, right? <laughs> and so I persevered, and this is what it looked like. It was, it was spectacular. It was beautiful. But because it took long to get there, and it was so hard getting there, I just had time to take the photo, turn around, and run. pretty much run some of the way back. And it was a lot harder coming back than it was going there. It was tough. Not one of the ones we're going to organize as one of our social walls. (laughs) But maybe for our connect group, we we might actually do this one. The point I want to make is that following Jesus is a little bit like that. It's always longer. It's always going to take longer than you think. And it's always harder than you think. You know, people always talk about Christianity being a crutch for the weak. They haven't been Christians. And so this morning, I want to look at, This big idea that's found in three stories that Jesus told. And they're found in Matthew 24 and Matthew 25. And I'd love for you to turn there in your Bibles or your devices. Because we're going to do something a little bit different this morning. Um, This week, as you know, if you're a regular Connect Group member, we're not having Connect Groups because we have our prayer and worship night. So we're going to have Connect Group in church today. That's what we're going to do. But these three stories that Jesus told have this common theme running through it. And it's this idea of being ready for the coming of the King and that's my my theme or the topic if you're taking notes of my message this morning is being ready for the coming of the king and i want to look at these passages with you together and what we're going to do is we're going to read each of these stories and because they're stories they're great for us to think about and reflect on i'm going to read each of them out loud and so you can follow along in your in your bibles and then i'm going to give you maybe five or ten minutes to meet Together with the people next to you, behind you, you can form little groups um, to have a conversation around two questions. And these are these two questions. What stands out to you? Why isn't that one working today? What stands out to you in this story? And what is Jesus trying to teach us from this story? That's it. Two questions. Um, And so those questions will be up there for you to think about. So, here we go. First story is found in Matthew chapter 24. So, the broader context is Jesus teaching that, that no one knows the day or the hour and the Son of Man is going to return. That it's going to come when we least expect it. You'll, you'll notice the repeated themes um, that come up time and time again that none of us really knows when Jesus is coming back. So, that is the context that sets up these three stories. The first one is found in verse 20, uh, verse 45 of chapter 24, which says this, Who then is the faithful, there's our key word for this year, and wise servant whom the master has put in charge of the servants in his household to give them their food at the proper time? It will be good for that servant whose master finds him doing so when he returns. Truly, I tell you, he will put him in charge of all his possessions. But suppose that servant is wicked and says to himself, My master is staying away a long time. And he then begins to beat his fellow servants and to eat and drink with drunkards. The master of that servant will come on a day when he does not expect him. And at an hour, he is not aware of. He will cut him to pieces and assign him a place with the hypocrites where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Go. Talk to the person next to you. Those two questions or the person behind you, or the people around you. Have a 5-10 minute conversation around those two questions and we'll come back together. People who are watching online, do this with your family. If you have someone there with you, join us in this conversation. People outside, huddle around and have this conversation around these two questions. 24. so that we can keep moving if you haven't done that already All right, one more minute. Let's get some feedback from the different conversations on the first question. Anything stand out to you? What do you notice? What kind of made you a bit quizzical, curious, whatever? Any thoughts? We'll start from this side first. Runners? Well, we want to include the people outside and people online. Any? Um,
0: yep? Okay, so we had a discussion and we met Tanya. And that was a really lovely. It was good to me. <laughs> um, and in our discussion, we learned that, um, you know, what is God trying to... What stands out for us in the story yep. is that um, that we should we, we that I need to be remain faithful when God is watching and when even when God isn't watching. Or, and I thought that was um, what we got around as, as well. And what is God trying to teach us from the story is I think Isaac said it really well in saying to remain steadfast and firm through while we're waiting.
1: Okay, great. Yeah. Anyone else in any of these other conversations want to share anything oh, really well. that stood out for them? Andrew's being encouraged <laughs> to say something. But he's not ready to. Anyone else? Nothing? Stood up? Okay. This section? Any thoughts on what stood up for you? What do you think Jesus is trying to teach from this passage? Come on. Come on. Well, it's very similar to what we said over there. Yeah. So we, s- we agree. We, you agree. <laughs> okay. We agree. Nothing else stands out to you about this pa- story that's interesting or different? Well, it's a question of uh, being obedient to his yep. word until he comes and not do nothing till he comes but to be aware that uh, we no one knows the day, so just be prepared. Okay, great. Yeah?
0: I'll say something. Um, <laughs> it's just fascinating how the banquet starts and I mean, looking at it, you know, historically, I think we sort of can draw the line where what Jesus is
1: in- inferring. There's there's being invited. Hang on, where, where are you? Uh, Matthew 22, is this the wedding? 24. Oh, I was 24. Okay.
0: 40, I thought I saw 22.
1: 45. When you said banquet, I'm like, What banquet? Did I miss that in my preparation? How did I miss that? <laughs> um, well, considering we're in the wrong passage, um, <laughs> one thing that
0: we looked at we, we, there's, a, there's, there's the being invited. But there's also be the being prepared. Right. Uh, it's a verse that's always stuck out at me that like, why is the guy getting kicked out? He was tied hand and foot. So that was the part I heard that Were you read. Um, why is he tied hand and foot? But th- there's a preparation, there's a faithfulness that we need to have that it's not just about us being here. It's about yep. us, you know, walking, walking with him.
1: Okay. This section, any observations, thoughts that stand out to you? Anything you want to share that... Adds to what's already been shared, something completely different. Now, this is what most of our connect group leaders experience. Every time they have connect group, this is how it is, right? <laughs> Thanks, Josh. Uh, we talked about how um, in verse 44, it says, therefore, you also be ready. And so in 45 to 51, even though he doesn't actually mention the word ready, yep. he's talking about what it means to be ready. Yeah. Um, and this ready- readiness is... An active obedience. Yep. Um, and, it's, and the obedience is less to do with when, knowing when the Master is coming, or not really at all to do with when the Master is coming, but to do with just continually being faithful whether the Master, like Nita said, whether he's watching or not. Yep. Um, and another observation I think we made is that the evil servant, he's just forgotten the fact that his Master, that he has a Master. Yeah. He's kind of become That's a Master for himself. So. Yeah. That's great. Excellent thoughts. Anyone else in that section want to share anything? Okay. Oh, Alvin. Um,
0: I just uh, it's like it's not knowing when Jesus will return. I, um, I've had conversations with people about faith, and they're saying, "Oh, I'll put this, I'll put off seriously considering Jesus later in life, maybe when I'm older, or you know, when I've had my fun, yes. that kind of thing." And I think this is just a warning passage. Yeah. For We don't know. when You might not be on your deathbed (laughs) when Jesus comes. He might come before them as well. Yeah, good point. Yeah.
1: Excellent. All right, last section. Yep, right. Stan said,
0: (laughs) 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 We have all been given a task and we shouldn't be slacking. Mm -hmm. We should be all serving in the service team.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. <laughs> ah, <classy.
0: laughs> it looks like the uh the evil servant actually started out doing the right thing because at some point he came to that thought that he's that the master's delaying and then he was doing the wrong thing. So it's like some people start out and you think that they're that they're a real Christian. But it's when they, they're they losing belief that the Lord's coming back that their real colour starts to show. Yeah,
1: very good. it's a great thought. Up the front.
0: Does this mean we get cut up into little pieces Ooh. if we don't serve?
1: Yeah, well that's right. <laughs> yeah. I don't know.
0: That's. Yeah. Just <laughs> ask.
1: Um, if anyone outside wants to come and share things as well, please feel to come in and, and share your thoughts as well. Um, yeah, look, they're all excellent thoughts. So, just a couple of um, observations for me that obedience and disobedience. B- in this passage, is a moral issue. Like, n- notice Jesus uses the word "wicked." That, that's a moral designation. That you know this servant, you know, we would say, well, he was just slack; he didn't do what his master told him to do. But Jesus, in Jesus' mind, that makes you wicked. Um, one of the other things that was interesting that kind of people was were picking up is that it seems like this servant really wasn't convinced that his master was ever going to come back. And that's why he thought he could get away with it, that he might not have to give an account at some point. So that's another interesting thing. Another thing that I I thought was interesting was that uh, the question it came to mind is, well, who is this servant? uh, Whose stuff is he eating and drinking? It's his master's stuff. It's the stuff that has been entrusted to him as a steward to use responsibly and wisely. But the thing that stood out to me the most was what Jesus says in verse 51. He will cut him to pieces and assign him a place with the hypocrites. Hypocrites. That seems like an odd word to use in this context. What does that call to mind for you? Hypocrites. The chapter before, verse 20, chapter 23, where Jesus uses that word over and over and over again. And who is he talking to? The Pharisees. The people who had an outward form of godliness but didn't really obey God from the heart. That's sobering. It's confronting. It's challenging for us to think about. And Jesus says that this this judgment, you know, the the image that He uses cut to pieces, weeping and gnashing of teeth. Now, elsewhere in in Matthew's Gospel, which is where it appears most in in Matthew's Gospel, that phrase, weeping and gnashing of teeth, uh, symbolizes and carries the idea of eternal separation, eternal judgment. Uh, hell, uh, whatever you want, however you want to understand that, but being forever away from God because we didn't obey Him, because we didn't do what He told us to do. And if we fall into that category, Jesus sees us as hypocrites, people who are part of this broad community of faith, but don't really have a genuine relationship with Jesus that is eagerly waiting for His coming. We, we, we just think we can do whatever we want, live however we want and that he may or may not come back, and none of that really matters anyway. And and I think that is probably the most confronting thing about this passage. We need to be guarding our hearts that we're not classified as hypocrites. This is what one Bible uh, commentator said about this idea of being hypocrites. If hypocrites can be used for the unfaithful disciple as for the failed Jewish leadership, the Christian reader is warned that merely belonging to the disciple community is not in itself a guarantee of ultimate salvation. That's such a profound statement. It is important to understand that Jesus does not set a high standard for people like the Pharisees and a lower one for those who have given their allegiance to Him. All those who profess to serve God must accept the truth that service must be wholehearted and that in due course they will have to give an account of themselves to the one from whom nothing is hidden. Sobering, challenging. Okay, second one, ten virgins, Matthew 25, Andrew, Matthew 25, 1 to 13. At that time, the kingdom of heaven will be like, so there's no paragraph break here. Jesus continues with these three stories back to back, right? We need to keep that in mind. Heaven will be like ten virgins who took their lamps and went out to meet the bridegroom. Five of them were foolish and five were wise. The foolish ones took their lamps, but did not take any oil with them. The wise ones, however, took oil in jars along with their lamps. The bridegroom was a long time in coming, and they all became drowsy and fell asleep. At midnight, the cry rang out, Here's the bridegroom, come out to meet him. Then all the virgins woke woke up and trimmed their lamps. The foolish ones said to the wise, Give us some of your oil, our lamps are going out. No, they replied. Therefore, keep watch, because you do not know the day or the hour. Go. What stands out to you? What is Jesus trying to teach us? Josephine said <laughs> that a delay doesn't mean that he, that he's not coming. Yeah. He, he
0: is good. going to come. Yep. So we got to be faithful in what we are doing because he's
1: going to come. Yeah, very good. Excellent. And not give up. Yep. Any other? Oh okay. We've got questions from people watching online. Wow, this is an interactive church. <laughs> Sorry? Yeah.
0: So we have some questions, which our group actually had these questions. Oh, so good. it's really good that someone else is asking the same questions. Um, what was the significance of them being virgins? Like, was the bridegroom going to marry all 10 of no, them?
1: No, no, no. <laughs> they, they were the equivalent of our bridal party, if you like. Uh, they were the bridesmaids.
0: So, uh, yeah, there's more questions. Wait.
1: Okay, so, so that's, that's it, it, it means young girl, really the idea. Okay.
0: So was the wedding banquet an opportunity to meet a husband and have security for the rest of their lives? No.
1: So no. In, in Jewish custom this is the, the final part of the wedding feast or the wedding celebration ceremony. Uh, the way a Jewish wedding wedding used to uh, work is in three parts. Um, one was the contractual agreement that the parents made and then there was the betrothal where the groom went to the bride's house to receive her himself, and then you can see the similarity between Jesus and the church, right? This is why it's so cool, you know, to, to commit himself to the, to the bride, be betrothed, committed, you know, and that was like, you know, um, so the, the official in, in Jewish culture, a couple was considered married at, married, married at phase one, once the parents had kind of made that agreement, which is why Mary and Joseph had to kind of consider divorce, that's how they understood it. And so then the groom went to the bride's house, received himself, and then came back to his heart, to his village where the celebration began. Right? Heaven, that's that image. So this is the last stage. This is the high point of a Jewish wedding. This is like the moment that everything has been leading up to. So the bridegroom is meant to be bringing his bride from her house back to now his house to celebrate and begin their new life together. Okay, any other questions?
0: Why was it important? So, I guess that's why it was important for them to go to the banquet.
1: Yes, the, like th- this would have been a massive feast. The village, the whole village would have been invited. And that's one of the th- significant things about this, m- this message. These girls missed out on the one thing that they were waiting for. That's what makes this so sad. Th- this was meant to be the, the big celebration that everyone was a part of. And everyone got to enjoy this massive feast that was put on, that went on for days and days and days, and they were on the outside of it. Tragic. Okay, any other comments, questions from this side? Moving to this section. Any thoughts, comments, observations? Sorry? (laughs) No, it's, it's an online question. Uh, I've just done my research, that's all, I'm cheating. Um, something that we thought, like we talked about like, what the significance of the oil was and things like that, but it was interesting that these virgins, as a were, didn't do something, but that when they get to the door, the thing that they that they missed, that they didn't know, like Jesus says, I don't know you. Yeah. Um, and so sort of that came brought the idea of, like when you know the person who's coming over, you get ready, right? If they come over, you actually know someone's coming. It's the, the key thing that they missed, so they weren't focused on who was actually coming, namely the bridegroom and the significance of that. So. Yeah. Very good. And that, that's, that's an interesting observation because, it, again, I don't know if for anyone it had this effect of anyone else, but it reminded me of Matthew 7, where Jesus uses that same expression of people who were doing amazing spiritual things. And they come to him and say, Lord, Lord, did we not do these things? And he says exactly the same thing. Depart from you. I don't know you. And, you know, many commentators, again, uh, talk about that this is, this is uncharacteristic in Jewish culture. Like these girls would have known the bridegroom. They would have. They would have been close friends of the bride and the groom or the bride or the groom. They would have been known. And for him to turn around and say, I don't know you is a really, really interesting thing for Jesus to say. And again, uh, the thing that it ought to stir in our heart is that what did they do wrong that they missed out? And I think that I don't know you is the idea of having that intimate relationship with Jesus that is reflected in our eagerly, patiently waiting for Him." See, these girls made the opposite mistake of the servant in the previous parable. They knew the bridegroom was coming and they were waiting, but it just took longer than they thought. They were expecting a quick return, a soon coming. And rather than the other servant who was like, no, it's never going to happen. I can party on. I can do whatever I want. I can eat and get drunk and beat up people. It doesn't matter. My master will probably never come back. These girls were expecting for the bridegroom to come soon and because he didn't come soon they all fell asleep that wasn't the issue it was not having oil not being prepared and not really expressing their knowing of the bridegroom by not being prepared because they ended up missing out on the one thing they had one job to do as we say right you have one job to do and they didn't do it which is what to be prepared to be ready to be waiting and eagerly longing for that okay any other thoughts comments the French speaking people thought yes, that uh, representing <laughs> the French. Thank you. Uh, you can be on fire for part of your life, and then if you abandon what you have, then you are lost again. Yeah, very good. Yeah, very and good. there is a French fable. It's between the cicada and, f- and the ant, and the cicada had been singing all summer, and came the winter. And she had no food in reserve, so she went to see the ant. And the ant asked her, What did you do this summer? And she said, Well, I was singing. <laughs> ah, you were singing? Well, you should be dancing now. And I think that's a bit of the story. Yeah. Thank very you. Good. This group? Cheryl? Uh,
0: it just occurred to me this um, parable. Of that jesus is speaking about is like the church um he wants his bride to be which is us the church to be pure the virgins virgins being pure and we were discussing it in our group that you know that's what he's saying like he wants the church to be pure and be like the lamps to be filled with the holy spirit and it can be snuffed up any any time The, you know, Jesus' second coming can be any time, and you have to be ready and be filled with the Holy Spirit, and that's what Jesus is saying in the parable. That's what I see anyway. Yeah,
1: great. Any other thoughts on this section? Alice?
0: Um, So it stood out to me that the wise virgins were not sharing their oil when Jesus generally says to be generous and to give whenever anyone needs anything but we found it interesting that these virgins were basically praised for not sharing their oil. And so I was thinking that, yeah, that's 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 kind of odd, but maybe it's saying that our faith is the one thing that we should not be compromising in. Um, Andy had something to say. Do you want, do you want me to say it? Or? Yeah, a- Andy was also saying with that that um, maybe it means that we can't, get someone to heaven, we can we can share, yeah, share the gospel with them, but we can't actually get them to heaven or yeah, give them salvation
1: ourselves. Yeah, good. Yeah, very good. I, I think that's a great point that comes out of this parable. Spiritual growth, intimacy with Jesus can't be outsourced. You either have it or you don't. And that's what these virgins did wrong. Like when you think about it, man, they just, they just forgot to bring on. But let me put it in a broader context. These lamps that been they're talking about, they had a burn time of about 15 minutes. They were just sticks that had clots wrapped around it that were soaked in oil and you lit them. So knowing that, it was completely inexcusable that these five girls did not have extra oil because they were just prepared for a 15 minute burn time. And in Middle Eastern culture at the time, Weddings notoriously ran late because, you know, they partied hard. And, you know, things never went according to our Western precise clock. So they, out of all people, should have known, man, we better go prepared because it's 15 minutes is all we've got here. That's the point Jesus is trying to make. The unpreparedness of these people in intimacy and and in longing for the bridegroom's return and their preparedness to expectantly wait for him is shown by their lack of forethought, of thinking ahead and planning ahead and being prepared. Receive the bridegroom, therefore, Jesus says, Keep watch because you don't know, and it might be longer than you think. Okay, last one. Oh man, I don't know, maybe we don't have time to do the last one, which is a shame because that's a great one, but we're out of time. So, let me just pull some of these things together. Uh, Craig uh, Blomberg, in his commentary, is really, really helpful. He comes up with three statements for each of these stories, and I'll just read them out to you. Uh, For the first one, he says, in summarizing, they're the obedient and disobedient servants expectantly watching is really what we want to get out of them. God rewards and punishes people at the final judgment on the basis of their stewardship of the tasks assigned to them. Interesting. Faithful stewardship requires perseverance and consistency, for the end could come at any time. Those who postpone their responsibilities and do evil in the meantime may sadly discover that it is too late for them to make amends for their errors. I think that it's a really helpful summary. Uh, The two women, uh, next one, Uh, sorry, wise and foolish virgins patiently waiting. The three points, like the bridegroom, God may delay his coming longer than people expect. Secondly, like the wise bridesmaids, his followers must be prepared for such a delay discipleship may be more challenging than the novice suspects. Like the foolish bridesmaids, those who do not prepare adequately may discover a point beyond which there is no return. When the end comes, it will be too late to undo the damage of neglect. I think that's really helpful. The last one that we didn't get time to look at uh, is the parable of the bags of gold. Uh, The faithful or profitable and worthless, unprofitable servant diligently working. And the summary of Craig is this. Like the Master, God entrusts all people with a portion of His resources, expecting them to act as good stewards of it. Like the two good servants, God's people will be commended and rewarded when they have faithfully discharged that commission. Like the wicked servant, those who fail to use the gifts God has given them for His service will be punished by separation from God and all things good. Again, if you read that parable, you'll notice Jesus used the word wicked again in that story. So, in light of our theme, I really believe that God is calling us as a church this year to passionately pursue Him. Jeremiah 29 is such a great verse. And it says this, that if we seek Him, we, we will find Him when we seek Him with all our heart. And I really want to encourage you, really want to challenge you, that God wants us to wholeheartedly seek Him. That's what it means to be faithful. The second thing that you know, I really believe God is calling us to do is to obey Him, to, to build our life on the rock. Like Jesus says in Matthew 7, the storms of life will come, but those who build their life, not just on hearing the Word of God and Jesus, but actually doing it, will have a solid and strong foundation. That's what I'm believing for, for us for this year. That if it's anything like last year or the year before, it won't matter because our lives are built on the rock. We're obeying and living out the teachings of Jesus. The third third one is that we would be stewards, that we would use the, the resources and the gifts that God's given us diligently and faithfully. That's what the third parable teaches us. Whether it's one bag, three bags, five bags, ten bags, it doesn't matter. The parable says that God gives according to our ability. Whatever God's given us in our time, whether your time poor or your time rich in you know, your in your, your income whether it's big or small your talents whether it's one or many none of that matters the what matters is are you being a steward of it are you being faithful to use what god's given you for his glory and his purpose in 1 corinthians paul talks about that the spirit is the one that distributes gifts in the body and and he distributes it for the common good for the benefit of us all that we would edify and encourage and strengthen one another as we use the gifts that god's given The last thing is that we would be faithful disciples who continue the work of Jesus, who continue the mission of Jesus, who are about the things that Jesus was on about in the world, that we would be salt and light. And in Ephesians 4, Paul has this extended section where he talks about living as the children of light. And I want to read this to you. He says, For you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Live as children of light, for the fruit of the light consists in all goodness, righteousness, and truth. And find out what pleases the Lord. Have nothing to do with the fruitless deeds of darkness, but rather expose them. It is shameful even to mention what the disobedient do in secret. But everything exposed by the light becomes visible. And everything that is illuminated becomes a light. And this is why it is said, Wake up, sleeper. Rise from the dead and Christ will shine on you. Be careful then. Be careful then how you live. Not as unwise, but as wise. Making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Live as children of light. And as I finish, just want to remind you again that Paul, here, as he does everywhere, he reminds them that all of this is not a work that we're supposed to do to earn God's favor or his pleasure or his love or anything. It is completely by grace. It is because we've been saved out of darkness. Peter does the same thing in 1 Peter chapter 2 when he calls us to be a holy priesthood, a royal priesthood who are declaring the praises of God. Why? Because we've been called out of darkness. We're children of light because the light of the world has shone on our hearts and we've been forgiven and we've been brought into the family of God. We live out of who we are as God's people. And so I want to challenge you. I want to encourage you. Start there. Get a fresh revelation of Jesus. Get a fresh revelation of His love for you. Get a fresh revelation of what He accomplished on the cross for you when He forgave your sin and made you part of the family of God. And if you're here online or here in the room and you don't know God's love, and you haven't received him as your Savior and Lord and accepted his forgiveness and become part of his family, I plead with you, come to Jesus. He's eager to embrace you and forgive you and transform you and bring you out of darkness into the kingdom of light, into his kingdom. And so as I finish, I would love to pray with you. I invite you to to stand with me as we do that. And, uh, you know, as we do at the end of our services, we want to invite you for, for prayer. If you don't know Jesus and you'd like to, please come. If you if you have any other need, if you're sick in your body or you, you just feel spiritually dry or you, you feel God's been challenging you today or maybe you, your heart's drifted and you've kind of wandered away from God and you feel God calling you back into His love, whatever it is, we'd love to pray with you. Don't leave here not allowing the Holy Spirit to do something in your heart. And our prayer team will be more than happy to come and pray with you. Let's pray. Father, we just thank you for your word. We thank you that it is living and active and powerful. It searches our hearts. And so, Lord, we bring our hearts before you again. Your word says that it's a mirror that reflects back to us what's really going on inside of us. Your word says that your word is is a lamp that shines on our feet and on our path and illuminates it. Your word says, Lord, that it is a sword that divides pierces and exposes Lord our motives and our true intentions and so we invite your word to do its work in us. Lord right now in this moment that you would be speaking by your Holy Spirit and Lord as we continue to reflect on these stories may you find in us people who are ready who are watchfully waiting for you patiently waiting and working diligently and faithfully to advance your kingdom here on earth. And so, Lord, I pray that as we go, that your blessing will rest on your people, that the grace of Jesus will come and empower us to live as you want us to and as you are calling us to, that, Lord, your love will be our strength, your peace will rule and reign in our hearts, that we would abide in the vine and bear fruit that will bring you glory and honor. And I speak this over our church in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless you. Stick around, encourage someone, have some morning tea.
0: Thank you for listening to the Parramatta Christian Church podcast. To hear other sermons or to find out more about our church, please visit our website at pcc.org.au.